Hey, good morning, Family Church Online. It is so good to be here with you this morning, and I'm so excited to be able to share the Word of God with you. We've been on an incredible series over the past, um, you know, the month of August, over the past three weeks, and including this week now, this will be our fourth week on matters of the heart. And I um, really hope you've been enjoying it. I know I have. I've got a lot from it. Um, and and, and I, I just believe that today is just going to kind of be that cherry on the top, that that finisher to, to what's been an incredible month of August. And so just to quickly recap, I'm not going to go over the details of each message. And if you haven't seen any of them, please do go back um, and catch up with some of the messages that have been shared through the month of August. But we started off with a heart of love. And then um, in, the, in the second week, we started looking at um, a heart that's guarded. And then last week, we looked at a heart of forgiveness. These are really all you know, really important lessons that we need to, to understand. And this week, um, I've been given a subject that I think I'm, I'm, is perfect for me, um, and it's a heart on fire for Jesus. Now, we're going to have a look at a few scriptures. We're going to um, take a little wander through a bit of the Old Testament and then finish um, with us praying together. And I know online, it, it, you know, I'm going to be praying, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would touch you right where you are, um, at home, at a workplace, wherever you might be watching this today. A heart on fire for Jesus. Why, why is this passionate for me? Why, why is this something that's um, close to my heart? When I encountered Jesus 13 years ago, my life was never the same again. And I think that is the result of anyone that meets Jesus, that when you have an encounter with the living God, your life will never be the same again. And um, something happens on the inside. I'm quite a passionate person anyway. You might have known that if you've seen me before and other people can kind of... Um, being around me, get that quite quickly. Whatever it is that I'm on board with, um, I can be almost overly passionate. Sometimes I get told to calm down, especially from my wife. But that's just me as a person. But when it comes to Jesus, it should be way much more. You know, our hearts should be on fire for the living God. And um, we're going to start today by looking at a scripture in Luke 24, 30 to 32. Um, and if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, I'm going to read it to you. And we're going to just unpack it a little bit and then take this small little journey round um, through the Old Testament and, and have a look at a few other things regarding this. So let's start. Luke 24, verses 30 to 32 says this. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed, broke it and gave it to them. So let's just give a bit of context here. So this is a moment that Jesus is resurrected from the dead, that these disciples have walked, or these people have come to see that he's no longer in the tomb, and they're walking with this guy, not knowing who he is, who's interpreting scripture for them and teaching them things, and they come to this moment where they're now sitting with, with him, and they haven't quite understood who's with them. Um, so these, these, these guys here, these disciples, these people haven't quite understood that they're sitting in the presence of Jesus. And it says in verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And this is the bit I want to ca capture today. Verse 32 says this, and they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? And it goes on to say they rose up and then went, um, I think, to go and find the other disciples to explain. And I love this. Didn't our hearts burn within us? That's such a, a, a brilliant statement um, from when they were walking with the resurrected Jesus. Now, I just want to pause on this for a minute because the two words I'm looking at here, when we look at the word heart, 
The Greek word for that is cardia, and it's cardia, spelt K-A-R-D-I-A, is where we get the word cardiac. So people will be familiar with the term a cardiac arrest, which is when your heart has a problem, electronic function, and it, and it, and it stops, and, it, and, and then you have effectively a cardiac arrest. Well, that word cardia is used here when they say, did our heart burn within us? And what I love about this word is that it's not just a physical vessel that they're talking about. It's not just that they're not talking about the heart pumping blood around the body. What the word actually means is this, the soul or mind as it's the fountain and seat of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors. So they're not just saying our heart, this physical, they're saying their thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, it's deeper than just the heart. And then that word burn is the word, the Greek word keo, which means to set on fire, consume, burn, and light, set alight. And I love that. That's great because when you read it, you think, yeah, okay, did our hearts not burn within us? But sometimes when we pause to look at the deeper meaning of what's actually happening there, it brings greater revelation to what we're doing. So there's this moment of heartburn. And no, we're not talking about that they walk with Jesus and all of a sudden they have indigestion and heartburn and they need some Gaviscon. We're not talking about that. It isn't a New Testament advert for Gaviscon, that moments with Jesus, you need Gaviscon. No, 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 we're not talking about natural heartburn. What we're talking about here is our inner man, our inner being, being consumed with God's presence to the point where our thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors are set alight for the power of God, for the purposes of God. That in a moment with Jesus in his presence, that we are no longer the same again. That everything within us is set on fire for the kingdom of heaven. And that's what they're saying. Didn't it burn within us? You know, not our heart, but the, the very inner person of who we are. Wasn't it on fire? Didn't my passions start turning on fire? Didn't my appetite start turning on fire? Didn't my thoughts start turning on fire? That passion accelerated when they were in the presence of the one who came to set them free. And I love this, because this is what we're talking about today. Having our heart on fire for Jesus. And now often when we look in the Bible, we can see fire. Fire is quite, a, you know, especially in the Old Testament, there's quite, there's quite a lot of scriptures referencing um, the fire of God and, and the things of fire. And I think it's a really important thing to look at because I think we're going to bridge the two today and look at how it affects us to, today, right here, right now, today. Um, so fire in the Bible is a picture of God's presence. It's a picture of God manifesting his presence on the earth. And um, we can see in, in Exodus 3, um, is a very well-known uh, moment where we see this fire with Moses. And I'm going to read Exodus 3, verses 2 to 4. It says this, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said to Moses, Moses, and he, and he said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Isn't that awesome? That this isn't a fire in the natural because it wasn't consuming in the sense that it was burning the bush away. But there was this moment that Moses was just doing everyday life and then all of a sudden a miraculous presence of God manifested in this bush. And from the fire of God, 
from the midst of the fire is the voice of God speaking and calling Moses. I love that. When God wants to get your attention, he'll get your attention. Sometimes burning a bush might need to be done. Um, and I love this. I love this. It's a sign of the presence of God. There's other, other pictures of the fire as well. So in Exodus 19, for instance, have a look at this. God's presence is descending on a mountain in fire. And this is incredible. It says this in Exodus 19, 17 to 18. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. So you can imagine this great assembly of people now stood. Moses leading them. They're at the foot of this great mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke. Why? Because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. I love that. So the presence of God was like fire, consuming fire on this mountain. Can you imagine what that must have been like sitting there in an assembly with Moses leading you and you're looking up at what is a smoke and fire in the presence of God? Again, this isn't, I've just picked a few kind of references where we see this fire acting as the presence of God. In uh, Exodus 24, verses 16 to 17, again, we see God's glory on the mountain. It says this, Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And this is the bit. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So they were looking at this glory, which was like a consuming fire. Uh, who knows what that physically looked like, but it wasn't a natural fire that was just burning up the mountain, but it was like a, to their eyes, the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire. I love this. The presence of God is like a consuming fire. Often when we see the fire as well, we can turn over to Numbers 11 and we'll see a picture of God's holiness and a picture of his power. You know, in Numbers 11, if I just turn back a few pages here, we'll see this moment when the children of Israel start to complain. Come on, we've all been there, right? When we complain about life, things start to get a bit frustrating, a bit, oh, I can't do this. Well, in this moment, the children of Israel are complaining. And do you know what? This is the holiness of God in this moment and, 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 and the power of God. It says this in, in, in Numbers 11.1. 1. Now, when the people complained... It displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. And I, and I thank God we live in a New Testament where, you know, we, we're not stood here being consumed by God's fire in such judgment ways. And, 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 and I know that we're in a different testament. We're in a different covenant with God. But what you get from this is the heart of God to not complain. I think this is a really important thing that we shouldn't be a people that complain, but also understand that the God's power is like fire. His power, his holiness, when it's aroused, is like a consuming fire on the people. And again, I think we need to be careful that we don't go down a grumbly spirit, a grumbly way moaning about stuff, but actually allow our lives to be so humble and gentle um, and always look for the good in things. But we also see in Numbers uh, 16, 
verse 35. And it says this, and a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Here we see people, again, we're looking at the Old Testament here, I know, but it's again the presence of God, that power and that holiness. What were the people doing? They were offering themselves to idol worship. They were offering themselves to other things. God's a holy God. And what, what happened was fire consumed those things, consumed them. I loved it. Again, I'm not saying this is where we stand today, but what I'm saying is there's a picture of this fire in the Bible and it's awesome. It's all consuming. It's his presence manifesting in holiness and power. And then the last one in Deuteronomy 5, verses 4, Moses it, it speaks this from um, when Moses is talking to the children of Israel. He says, To the Lord, uh, the Lord talked with you from face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. So again, he's saying that the Lord spoke to them through the midst of this fire. Again, so wherever we look in the Bible, when we see this fire, it's a picture of God's presence, but it's a picture of his power. It's a picture of his holiness. And it's just, I just love it. And I, and I think right now, I want us to look just quickly, because this is where I want to draw us to where we stand now with God, with the fire of God, and why our heart should burn within us. Um, we've not worry or f being frightened of God's fire, but almost being excited by the power of it, being excited by what it does in our lives. So in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings 18, there's a story where Elijah um, is sat with all the kind of idol um, prophets who, who, who worship Baal and they're the prophets of Baal. And he's there having this moment, asking them to call down fire from heaven. And none of them, nothing's happening. And, and I think it goes on to say that, and again, for time, we're not going to read it, but please do take time to read it. They start cutting themselves. They're doing all kinds of mad stuff to try and get this false God to move upon the sacrifices that they've made. And nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And you kind of get the um, picture that Elijah's just sat there like, oh yeah, keep going, keep going. Come on. Because he knows that God's real. He knows the living God. He has a relationship with the living God. So he's not worried that, oh, will it work? He knows that what God's asked him to do. And then there's this moment when he sets up this sacrifice. And it's an interesting sacrifice of wood. And he digs a well and there's water over it and all this. And then he calls down the fire of God. And the fire of God comes down. And it, 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 it literally burns up the sacrifice. And it's a, a moment where the fire of heaven is called down. And this sacrifice is taken up and burnt. And I love it. It's a great picture. And also Elijah does it many times where he calls down this fire from heaven. And you see this presence of God just hitting the earth. And there's many other accounts in the Old Testament when we can see like the fire of God. But what I want to do now is just look for a moment. If Elijah being a prophet in the Old Testament was able to call fire down from heaven, what does it look like for us in this New Testament? I think the reality is that in the New Testament, the fire of God is sent down to consume us being living sacrifices. So in the Old Testament, you had this sacrifice that Elijah set up um, for God to consume with fire. Well, in the New Testament, we know that Romans 12.1 says that we are living sacrifices. We, we are called to be living sacrifices. Um, let's just read it now. In Romans 12.1, it says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable surface. Love this. So we as Christians, born again Christians, people that put our faith in Jesus, should be offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. And I love this, but the promise of Jesus wasn't that we would just walk with this 
mentality that we live in sacrifices in Acts 1.8. The promise of Jesus, we can read it. And it says this. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I love this. So the promise of the Holy Spirit coming upon us is a promise that Jesus gave. And how do we see the Spirit? Well, we can see it again as it's resting upon Peter as almost flames of old tongues of fire. So we can read this in Acts 2 verse 4, uh, verse 3 to 4. It says this, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I love this. So here we go in the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, you have the prophet Elijah calling down fire from heaven. In the New Testament, we have our great priest and prophet Jesus sending fire to come on the inside of human beings to consume us and cause passion and desires to change and for God to live in us and let the fire burn from within. Come on, this is exciting stuff. So in the old, we know the fire comes on the outside, but in the new, the fire is on the inside. When we get in the presence of God, when we get in that moment where we're, we're close to him, our hearts should burn with passion and fire for the kingdom of heaven. Our hearts should burn with passion for Jesus. Our hearts should be on fire for him. Why? Because that was the promise. That just like Elijah called down fire from heaven and the fire consumed the sacrifice, so God will promise that the Spirit of God will come upon you in such a way that you shall have power to go and do all that you need to do. And that power is going to cause passion and fire to come on the inside of you. Come on, Ezekiel um, 36, 26 is one of those verses that I think we're probably all familiar with. God promises that he will take out the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Well, that word again for heart is a Hebrew word, but it's the word lave. Lave, spelled L-A-B-E, but pronounced lave. And it actually means the same as cardia. It actually is the very same word. So what God's saying is he isn't going to give you, take away this physical heart, but it's a spiritual heart transplant. What he says is that you once had a heart of stone, but now you know me, I'm going to give you a heart that pumps with passion, that pumps with fire, that pumps with new desires, that pumps with new ways of looking at things, new appetites, new affections, new purposes, new endeavours. Come on, this is the heart that God's promised us from the Old Testament, but it isn't until now that we can receive it. Come on, this is God living on the inside of us. There's no better picture than Peter when it comes to the fire of God and what it can do in a person's life. We see Peter um, in Matthew 26, 69 to 75. And I'm going to read it um, now for you. And it says this. So verses 69 uh, from Matthew 26. It says, now Peter sat outside. This is before... Um, this is before he's had a moment with the Holy Spirit. This isn't that moment. This is, this is Jesus now being taken to the cross. This is Peter's life falling apart. Peter, who, who often can be seen as quite a strong character, is now probably looking at his life, seeing it all fall apart, seeing his, 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 his master, Jesus the King, being taken away. And it says, Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. So here he is. He's, he, he, he can see Peter's frightened. 
And now he's starting to lie. He's starting to deny Jesus. He's starting to lie about whether he even knew Jesus. And it says, and when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you are also one of them for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And we know that, don't we? Jesus even prophesied this. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And this is sad. So he, so he went away and wept bitterly. There's so much within that. So here we have Peter that walked externally with Jesus. He had, um, the encounters he had with Jesus were external. He saw him physically. He watched Jesus do. He even had a moment where he was able to walk in the things that Jesus did because the authority was given to him for a moment to cast out demons, to see the, he saw all of the amazing stuff. But here we have the man denying that he ever walked with Jesus. But not only that, he's lying. He's now, it says in here that he started to swear. I mean, he's gone full circle the other way. This guy is now completely denying Jesus, but also lying. He's walking all, in all kinds of craziness right now. And it goes away and weeps bitterly. He's a broken man because he knows that he, he's denied Jesus. He knew, he, everything he promised that he wouldn't it has become. Anyone been there before? I won't do that, but we do it. I won't do that, but we'll do it. That's us trying in the natural. That's us trying to overcome in the natural. Listen, we cannot do this by ourselves. We cannot follow Jesus in the natural. We cannot overcome in the natural. The things that come against us can only be overcome in the supernatural and in the spirit. And we're going to see this in Acts 2. Again, from a little bit further on from where I read earlier. So we see this moment in Acts 2 where they were baptized. Acts 2, 1 to 4. They sat in one accord together and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They start prophesying and speaking in unknown languages. They start speaking in a thing called tongues, which every born again believer can. And they start proclaiming the things of God. The power of God comes upon them. It's seen as fire resting on them. This fire is now within them, resting on them and is inside of them. And what happens? Peter then turns from being a coward to being courageous. He turns from being someone who can't to someone who can, to someone who's afraid to someone who is not afraid. And he says in verses, and I'm not going to read these for the sake of time again this morning, for in Acts 2, 14 to 39, you can read this moment where it says, but Peter standing up with the 11, raised his voice. This is a man that was denying Jesus before he had an encounter with the fire of God. Before he had an internal encounter with the fire of God, he denied Jesus. Now he's raising his voice and said to them, men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Come on, this is a different Peter. Why? The fire of God has set him on fire, not externally, but thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors have all been set on fire for the purposes of God. Now, just like Jeremiah, there's a fire shut up in my bones. I've got to let it out. This is Peter now in the fullness of God, in the fullness of the spirit, declaring the things of God. And it says this in verse 38, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. 
Isn't that incredible? That actually goes on to say that there's, there was 3,000 souls added to the church in one day. In one day, 3,000 souls. See, Peter, without the fire of God, without the encounter of the Holy Spirit, denies Jesus. Can't do it. Peter, with the Holy Spirit, with the fire of God, all things are possible. Souls being saved, lives being transformed. Come on, this morning, this is what I want to get across. The fire of God consumed Peter's heart. And just like Peter, who was just a normal man, so we today can be consumed with the fire of God. We today can call upon the fire of God in one accord and let the baptism of the Holy Spirit take over our lives and let the fire of God just completely purge our hearts and take us to new levels where every thought can be changed, where every passion can start to change, where our desires can start to change, where our appetite for new things can change. And what do I mean by appetites? I mean where you once looked at the world as tasty, mmm, worldliness, no longer will it be tasty, but you'll look to Jesus and go, he is the bread of life, the fountain of living water. I need him more than anything else. This is the one that changes from the inside out. Come on, wherever you are right now, even if you're on a bus or in a workplace, I just want to pray for you that today the fire of God would touch your heart and that you would never, ever be the same again, that the Holy Spirit would completely consume you. Holy Ghost, I pray right now for every person listening, whether they be in America, whether they be across Europe, whether they're in the other side of the world, wherever they may be, or if they're just in Portsmouth or wherever in England, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, move. Father, I pray that your fire would burn upon people's hearts once again. That, Lord, the old would be gone and the new would come in Jesus' name. We declare, let the passions of this world die and let the passions of the Spirit rise up within us, Father. We declare in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, I am a passionate person and, and, and this subject was perfect for me. And my heart was set on fire for Jesus all those years ago, and it will never stop because he's the only thing worth living for. Look, I pray that today you've got something from what I shared. Um, I pray that I've encouraged you, and I pray that, that this word has inspired you to run after Jesus. Listen, this week, get Jesus involved with every part of your life. Don't just start looking things naturally. Pull and draw on the Holy Spirit. He's given it to you as a gift. Let the gifts of God manifest. Let the power of God, let the fire of God be the thing that drives you. We're not perfect people, but God still uses us. Amen. Have a blessed week. And we'll see you again soon.